and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you need to know about interiors and how to make it work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate watson Smythe. And welcome to our new series. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't be more thrilled to be going into an incredible fifth series. We'd just like to say a huge thank you to John Lewis and Partners for sponsoring this podcast. Now, as the nights are drawing in and there's a definite chill in the air, it's time to think about getting cosy for winter. I'm not ready. Did you know their wonderfully cosy and luxe natural collection bedding range is handmade by their expert partners at Herbert Parkinson, their textiles factory in Lancashire? Ooh, sounds perfect for those cold winter nights. I think I'm about ready for a nap now. (laughs) (laughs) But I will forego my snooze because we do have some great stuff coming up in this series. We've got a guest appearance by TV cook Rachel Koo, and her house is amazing. She's full of interior and design she tips. Cook for me, that's what I really want to know. Oh, I, I think we could work on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do we send in requests? Uh, yes. <laughs> We've also topically got a bit of a hibernating special with lots of tips on sleep, choosing the right mattress, and. It's a bit early for the C word. I can't say oh, it. Were you going to say it? Go on. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Christmas! <laughs> on the 25th of December, people like to prepare for that day. So we will have some tips and ideas and things you might want to know and find useful. Not going to say it. <laughs> and today we'll be talking colourful kitchens and colour trends as a whole. And start us off, before we get to wallow in all things colour, we're going to give you the lowdown of London Design Festival, which happened a couple of weeks ago, where Kate and I divided in order to conquer, because this is absolutely massive. The whole of the city is taken over by talks, exhibitions, events, open showrooms, in order to celebrate everything that's happening within interiors and design right now. So I took on West London, 100% Design and Chelsea Harbour. I went east to the London Design Fair, which is held in one building, all divided up with a lot of designers from Sweden and Hungary. It was quite international, but there were still common themes. So what did you spot? What trends did you spot? Well, I mean, I think in short, if it ain't got curves... It ain't coming in. (laughs) Everywhere was curves. But it wasn't just on the furniture, which of course we've been seeing. It's that Art Deco influence. But also on the rugs, there was a fantastic installation from Floor Story. And they've done lots of collaborations with Camille Wallala, with 2LG Studio, with Kitty Joseph, who's great with colour. I'm sure you love her. You've got one of her skirts. I've got one of her skirts. Yeah, I love Um, her stuff. But that also was curves. So there were rugs that were lozenge-shaped, there were rugs with sort of curves around the edges. But the scalloping going on everywhere, lots isn't there? of scalloping. And there were some fantastic designs there. And the main colourway was pink and green together. So obviously mm. we've had this blush pink, millennial pink, whatever it's now going to be called for the next season, for quite a few years. And there's been a big story about green, obviously relating to nature and the planet, but the two have come together. And although we're seeing it, I have a pink and green bedroom, in real life, we're seeing so a lot in sort of pastel green and pinks, in rugs, in furniture, in cushions. And also I saw it on the Norway stand 
they had boxes painted in pink and green to showcase the stuff that they were there for. So that was the massive colour story. Lots of ceramic and wood, much less plastic. And obviously Mm. there was a theme of biomaterials this year. And there was one company making things out of corn husks, making flooring. So that was massive, a lot of the bio and green. I headed off to 100% Design, celebrating 25 years. I think 100% Design, especially when it first launched, was really all about pushing the boundaries and showcasing young and emerging talent. And I feel like it lost its way a bit somewhere. I, I was going to say exactly that. And the I, last few years, it's not been as it's good, but been it's a bit come back. It's been a bit it? office furniture, hasn't it? But yeah. I think they've really pulled it back and, and they really went all out in celebration of their heritage. So it's really nice to see what the next generation of designers are doing. And I tell you what, big, massive headline for me was a massive story about sustainability, the future of the planet, the amount of consumption and how we can reuse and repurpose, not just, you know, discarded bits of furniture or fabrics. There was even one incredible designer. She's a French lady called Clemence gruan Rijoux. I've probably said that completely wrong. I just did it quite fast. So it sounded a bit French. <laughs> I like your technique. <laughs> <laughs> And she was making furniture. She was making this kind of like leather resin type material to make furniture out of. It can be molded. She was using it for stools and tables. It looks like a black lacquer. But it's leather resin. No, it looks like leather resin. Do you want to actually know what it's made from? Um, well, so look, here's gonna, a clue. Is it some kind of waste product? It's a waste product because she identified that 60 billion animals are slaughtered on the planet every year. One billion animals are slaughtered in the UK. And where does it all go? just goes into landfill. So yeah, blood. She's making furniture out of animal blood. Ooh. <laughs> that's pretty off your lunch, hasn't it? <laughs> well, no, nothing's actually going to put me off my lunch, but that's, um, is this getting too graphic? How does blood end up in landfill? Does, does that not, I mean, yeah, no, does it, it, not just it, it doesn't get used. It does, yeah, so where does it go exactly? It has to be processed, but it's essentially waste. And I think what a lot of these designers are doing is, as I said, they're not just looking at domestic waste, they're looking at mass waste. Yeah. There was also so a interesting potter making that. pots out of bauxite or something, something that's a waste product of the aluminium manufacturing yeah. process in order to make ceramics. And not just beautiful ceramics, to make ceramics for plumbing and building structure material. So, you know, really, really pioneering designers. There was another guy called uh, Benjamin Stanton who recycles denim. Now, this came from the fact that he was seeing loads of cut-off legs of denim jeans, just the legs. because everybody makes them into shorts. Because this guy was making hot pants to sell at Glastonbury and so getting jeans and cutting all the legs off and just (gasps) burning them in his skip (gasps) because he just didn't know what else to do with them. So he was thinking, again, as a product designer, there must be something I can do with all this denim. So he's laminating it and using it as a material to make furniture out of. Now, talking to him, he did admit, he's like, the production process of me in my workshop layering up denim with environmentally positive or, you know, resin, if you like, and doing all the layers. This is so time consuming. It's completely unfeasible as a manufacturing process, but he's almost just wants to highlight. It's almost kind of sometimes political for these designers to say, look, this is stuff we're wasting. Surely we can have a better But that's the interesting it. thing, isn't it? Because there has been, I don't know whether it's an argument, but a lot of discussion around the fact that many people who are working in sustainable design and reusing old stuff are making products which are very expensive and way out of the mm. price league for a lot of people. And that is true. But equally, it's a bit like the sort of haute couture fashion. 
a few people do it at the top and it's very expensive, but it makes the headlines and people see it. Yeah. And you have to hope that it will filter down and that more people will find, you know, a way to mass produce it so that maybe one day one of the big high street shops like Boots, all its packaging will be made from sugarcane waste or right, corn yeah. husks. So I think it... Yes, we can't all afford to buy these products, which are niche and expensive to produce. But I think it's important that people are looking at it. Yeah, and challenging the the concepts. I think another really important thing to come out of it is that, you know, sustainability and recycling, blah, blah, blah. This was really attractive pioneering design being shown at one of the best design showcases in the world. But the best bit for me was an exhibit at the entrance called Design Fresh, which had been curated by... Barbara Chandler, no less. The doyen of interior design journalists, (laughs) no less, who is a columnist, has been for many years on the London Evening Standard and also was given a Lifetime Achievement Award by Homes and Gardens magazine a couple of years ago. Wow, she's amazing. She knows it all. She knows it it all. all. And she's very passionate about nurturing the next generation of designers. So she scoured a lot of the London universities and colleges, looking for graduates, going to new designers and showcasing there at 100%. And here's what she had to say. We wanted to have something from a lot of different disciplines. At first, when I was going around, um, I was just absolutely blown away by the number of young designers now who are concerning themselves with the problems of society at large. So it's a sort of social element to design, societal, if you like. So they're concerning themselves with problems of transport. As one uh, lot of people at St. Martin's who were redesigning prison cells. We had people at the Royal College redesigning asthma inhalers, somebody redesigning a fire exit route from a building. But then the aesthetic qualities were very important because I've got a little slogan that beauty is a function. I absolutely love that. That's Um, your mantra. And this was something that Alessandro Mandini said to me, very great Italian designer and very sadly died earlier this year. But I went to a wonderful show of his golden mosaics in Milan and um, we were talking about design um, solving problems and functional design and he said, you know, Barbara, beauty is a function. (laughs) And that's been a little maxim of mine because I think that it just enters into an emotional element of us and we feel better. Beauty nurtures us. Beauty um, makes us feel better about ourselves and better about the world. So, coming up very soon, design crimes, (laughs) and also we're going to look at colourful kitchens. But for now, colour trends. Where are we? Yeah, so this is all a conversation that was also being had at London Design Festival. And one of the great talks that I went to was by NCS Colour, which is a global colour trend forecasting company. And Carl Johan Bertelsen was talking, very impassioned man. I want to work at a colour forecasting company. What a job. What do you do? I'm a colour forecaster. Well, they're quite scientific. What does that involve? Sitting around looking at (laughs) swatches all day. I could do that. Or maybe I'm just going to change my bio. I'm a colour forecaster. You're probably a colour forecaster, aren't you? (laughs) I'm a colour digester. I'm digesting no, the colour No, that's just not as cool as a colour forecaster, <laughs> is it? I'm a colour digester. I'm a colour cogitator. I, <laughs> I don't want the pressure of colour forecasting, my goodness. Anyway, so 
He was very, very passionate about his job and forecasting. But I thought it was quite interesting to put it into context why we all listen to these people and what actually do they do. Um, He talks about the fact that in order to choose colour, you need two things. You need intuition and rationale. But in order to have intuition, first of all, you need knowledge. So the stories that we hear about the colour trends are very, very important. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we were both at the Dulux Colour of the Year announcement, mm-hmm. which gets more and more sort of razzmatazzy every year. <laughs> they even had a so curtain, didn't they? They had a curtain that <laughs> <to dropped revealed. laughs> at, at precisely 10am to reveal the colour of the year. But there are clues in that room. I've learned to read them now. I remember going to it a couple of years ago and we all sat on wooden benches, which had all been painted blue. And I was drifting around with everyone else going, oh, it's lovely colour blue. Oh, look, everybody's wearing blue denim outfits isn't that isn't that nice and then they announced did the penny drop did it no and then they announced (laughs) it and they went the colors denim drift and I was like oh that's amazing (laughs) never saw that genuinely never saw that coming so this year when we went in the first thing I saw what was everybody wearing what did you see well the first thing I saw was there were lots of plants and I thought well plants is a thing that's nothing and then I was handed a green matcha tea and I thought oi oi The clues are there. <laughs> and also, I've been saying it's going to be green for years. So what, because we haven't finally, had a green for a while? We haven't had green. Finally, <laughs> vindicated. So, drum roll, the colour of the year for 2020, for anyone who hasn't caught up on it yet, as said by Dulux, is... Tranquil, well, what colour even is Tranquil Dawn? Right, Tranquil Dawn is... is green. It is green. It's got a big dollop of grey in it. It's got a hate massive that. dollop um, of grey in it. It's very pale. And actually... It was the first time I thought where the colour was announced and lots of people jumped up and started saying, well, I've got that. I've got a version of oh, that. I've they? had that. Yeah, you loads of people have been using it. It's walls. very like the Faro and Ball Cromarty, uh, right. which is named after that thing on the shipping forecast, isn't it? One right. of those, I don't know where Cromarty is, but it's very beautiful and ethereal and misty. Yes, it's a mist. That's very out. much was the feeling behind this colour is it feels like a misty morning. It's very tranquil. It's very calm. It's a brilliant neutral. It's suddenly actually, I thought, made white look really harsh. You yeah. know, why would you stick well, white, white is all really over? harsh. White is really harsh, but we do all default to that. So, I mean, it might just sometimes seem that they've picked a colour off the shelf, but I think there's an awful lot of research that goes into it throughout the year. And they talk to fashion stylists, they look at social media, they talk to architects, they look at the economic trends, they sort of look at, on a really global level, what's going on from what people are talking about in China, on Instagram, to, you know, what people are wearing on the street in London. And they come up somehow from all that sort of hodgepodge cauldron of information, they come up with a colour. But we managed to corner Marianne Shillingford, the creative director of Dulux, and find out a little bit more about why it was this colour. And I should point out to listeners that um, as part of the mood at the unveiling of Colour of the Year, there was a rain machine. So it's not bad sound quality. We're standing next to a rain machine. So uh, just bear that in mind. We knew it was going to be a green because green is so huge. Uh, and well, it's, just so huge as in huge in, in interiors anyway at the moment. Just or everything green, everything from politics to the things that we're putting in our body, that veganism, you know, we, we're thinking about eating a more plant-based diet. You know, everything that fundamental, that is fundamental to human beings is, is green, the colour green and the kind of like the whole uh, idealism of green. And so we knew that green was going to be big and we knew it's beautiful interiors. And one of the things about green, it's right in the middle of the visual spectrum, so it's easy 
to look at. It's very easy. It's what we would call a neutral colour. So, so even though it's a colour, it works with everything. You put a plant in a living room and it just looks amazing. A green cushion on a sofa and it just looks amazing. It never looks out of place. And so we knew it was going to be a green. And one of the things that we used to distill in terms of trends in design and colour and tech is we, we're doing a certain amount of that but we're looking more closely at the way people are living and what they value, what they're spending their money on, where they're going on holiday, how they're seeking out an experience rather than stuff. And we, we've reached this peak stuff. We have kind of reached peak stuff. And so the stuff we're buying is much more considered. It has to last longer. It has to be made well. And so this is a sort of response to that um, and a response to reconnecting with nature in, in our homes, creating spaces in which we are trying to get to grips with what it is to be human in an increasingly digitized age um, and, and also blurring that um, indoor-outdoor space and reconnecting with nature because we are we're messing it up, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be kinder to nature. So this reconnection with green, our interpretation is Tranquil Dawn. Um, and it's a very soft green. It's, it's perfect for homes. So I think a really big headline that I took from Dulux and from Marianne is it's all about how we want to feel. And Dulux seems to think we all need to feel quite calm. And- <laughs> Calm down, everybody. It's all right. Just look at this wall for a bit. It's going to be okay. We need a nice, soft nurse. Can you imagine if they come up with neon pink and everybody goes, what? Yeah, so I think that, you know, that's the big story, isn't it? It's about not just paint, obviously, because, okay, Dulux are a paint brand, but in terms of trends, it's the colours we choose to surround ourselves with and how they make us feel and talking about sort of psychology and psychology of color Karen Huller was also at the event I think she's been doing some work with Dulux and I'm always really interested what Karen's take is on this as you know we already covered her book in a recent episode she's just written about the psychology of color she is an applied color psychology specialist so she's deeply learned and it's not as snappy as color forecaster <laughs> is it <laughs> Or colour cogitator. But my God, like that woman myself. knows her stuff. She yes, we just stuff. cogitate on the colours, but she so knows when it, her So when it comes to the psychology of Tranquil Dawn and uh, the choice that's been made, this is what she had to say. It's about connecting back to ourselves and it's about connecting back to our heart, not being in our head, not being um, influenced by what other people are doing, but it's very much heart-centred and heart-centred design. And when we pick colours and we connect with colours that resonate with us, it is it is about coming home. And that's what I feel that this colour is starting to reconnect us back to home, which is our home, I believe, is Mother Nature. So, Sophie, are you coming home feeling at home with a bit of tranquil dawn? It's mm. not you, is it? <laughs> well, there you go. No, it is not giving me the feels. And this is, you know, this is what's really interesting is how does a, a global brand tell us all that this colour is going to make you feel this way because it just doesn't work. And actually, you mentioned neon pink earlier. That would probably be my happy colour more than a grey green. So I think, again, it's all really interesting. And I think it's all backed up with a lot of scientific research. And as you said, you know, it's a huge kind of load of information and views that come together and get distilled to make this choice. But at the end of the day, listeners... Listen to your gut and what you want to come home to. And if it's not a grey-green, doesn't matter. See, I do, I do find it quite a restful colour. Where I sort of slightly lose it is that it is all these sort of lofty ideals of, you know, connecting with this, that and the other. You know, it's a tin of paint. <laughs> 
Do you think everyone's getting said, a little bit above themselves? Well, you know, um, that said, I do like it as a colour, as you can imagine. And what I particularly liked was maybe, this is the clever bit, Dulux, I quite like the cell. So they did all these different palettes, which were the seasonal colours at dawn. So there was the autumn dawn, which was obviously for me, which had sort of dark oh, much richer in colours it put and with it. black and and that I thought with I thought the colour palettes around it were very beautiful. You know, going back to the NCS talk that I went to, um hundred percent, again, he they weren't telling us that it's one colour next year. They too had four different palettes, of which Again, there were similar things. There was a, I was talking about coming back to nature and biophilia. There was talk about tech overload and reclaiming our humanity against the robots. You know, there was lots of uh, and, and all that, wanting I think to take social is, media vacations. There was lots of kind of headline buzzwords. I think that is all really good. I think if you park the fact that ultimately it's about a tin of paint, I think it's very interesting to have a conversation about, firstly, how colours make you feel because I think people often just pick a colour without thinking about how that mm -hmm. might feel if they're looking at it every single day over breakfast in their dining room or kitchen. Um, so there's that. But also they're completely right in that those are conversations people have, are having at the moment. So how you get from these are the global conversations to put this colour on your living room wall <laughs> is, is another leap. It's quite a long road. It, it, it is all topical and it was interesting. So one of the big palettes from the NCS talk, which had me choking on my latte was I was really sad to hear he says we're coming out of the chromatic stage so these are all these very saturated brights that we've seen a lot that I particularly love and moving towards duller darker and more I can hardly say it neutral WS your time has come come in Watson Smythe the neutral palette is here but grey is not back okay he didn't say that so you can keep that all those colours have got lots of grey in them that's what makes no, them that's calming true. You're and right. restful it is it's looking a, yeah duller colours got more grey in them um, I just I think you know I'm going to take issue with your vocabulary there duller colour it's not you might think it's dull some people find it calming and restful and it's their happy colour it's true. No, no, I'd completely sign up for that. And I think that what's so nice about the way Dulux do their palettes and NCS are doing their palettes is that there is something in there for everyone, actually. Of course, what we're waiting for, which doesn't come out till much later in the year, is the old Pantone oh, colour Pantone. of the year. Because that's, that's always a bit controversial. <laughs> it's really controversial. <laughs> it's really controversial. Anyway, just to, um, before we wrap up this gorgeous topic, just a few other colour trend forecast. We had a tile of the year come out. Tile of the year from Topps Tiles, which was the colour was navy blue, which is a very beautiful colour. But actually that was more about the shape. Again, a sort of curved fish scale yeah. shape, which was really interesting because obviously we've been talking about curves for ages and tiles are traditionally something that they haven't been able to they're play that game. They're not very curvy, not are very they? Curvy. So they've come up with, with a tile which is this fish scale shape, a fan shape. It's called if the you siren, like. isn't it? Siren, S-Y-R-E-N. So yeah. that was interesting. But also, I mean, navy blue, lovely with a bit of tranquil dawn. And they put yeah. a pink grout with it as well. And we always said we like a colourful grout, don't we, here on the Great Indoors? And then Graham and Brown, the um, wallpaper brand, also had a fantastic uh, launch of their new colour of the year. It's green, but it's a really sort of deep, rich forest green. They're calling it Adeline. And it oh, I thought they were going for more of a sort of neo mint, which oh, well, is the other wallpaper. fashion colour. So ah. the paint is a dark green, and then their hero wallpaper for next year is called the Bloomsbury Neo. neo 
Mint, which is this fantastic sort of 18th, because you know they use their archives a lot yeah. and kind of reimagine them. This 18th century neoclassical, massive, blousy, like oversized, blousy, maximalist floral print. So obviously, florals aren't going anywhere. Florals aren't soon. going anywhere. And the neo mint is really interesting because it, it, makes that very traditional floral wallpaper suddenly look really modern because that's not a colour we've seen, that kind of bright green pastel with the traditional very floral fresh, print. It? So it's really fresh, it's really new. And I need either a new house or a new downstairs loo, I think, because... Oh, do you fancy a bit of... I, can't, I could a bit go of for a bit of that, but only in a very small space, which is... Ooh. You know, you'd obviously plaster it all over your hall. Yeah, I've um, got and plans. And I come in and have I've to have a lie down. Have color. you? I have got plans. I'm Where? redesigning my holiday let in Brighton at the moment. Oh. And I des—I actually designed it 10 years ago and it stood the test of time really well. There's a lot of black in there. I sort of did dark quite early on, did the dark thing 10 years ago. And now I want to want to freshen it up mm, so a I bit think, of neo-mint yeah, florals. Ex- express my inner minty arrow in there, I think. Oh, no, you've just ruined it completely with minty arrow. <laughs> I've gone right off it now. (laughs) Anyway, finally, just to wrap up, Pinterest were at the Graham and Brown launch. Always love to know what their insights are. Well, what's interesting about Pinterest, I think, is that all these colours of the year come from sort of, as we've said, these lofty ideals, these forecasters, they're examining what they think people will want. And actually, Pinterest is about how many people sat down yeah. with a cup of coffee at nine o'clock this morning and looked up that thing. I know, it's amazing so it's insight, really isn't it? really real Pinterest for that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it's what yeah. we're looking for, isn't yeah. it? Like, forget what everybody else thinks we should be doing. It's what people what are doing. So what are they looking at? So do you want to know the most astonishing stat, I thought, was searches for vertical gardens was up 285%. Is that a living wall? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, plants growing up your walls. Yes. So that's obviously... Well, you, you know, can massive. unpick that in so many ways, can't you? We've run out of floor space. We live in smaller spaces. When you've run out of floor space, you have to start using the walls. But I think that's more, that's a trend back to the biophilia, the it's need for the green, greenery, the connection exactly. to nature. There's another big conversation. Apparently, we're urbanising at a rate that was unprecedented, people moving into cities. Yeah, that's true. Um, so smaller spaces and yeah. then needing that connection back to nature, yeah. really important. Right, are you sitting down? Well, funnily enough, I am, yes. Bold print wallpaper, of which we've just been talking, 400% up on searches. Really? (laughs) Yes! You see, this is where it all gets confusing Come with all on. this forecasting. Because at one minute, it's all zeitgeisty with the calming down and the neutral palette and all the bright chromatic yeah, colours yeah, are yeah. over. But actually, yes. real people, listeners one and Sophie, <laughs> clearly not me, I'm not a real person, I'm all down with the neutrals. But the real people are all over the bright, bold wallpaper. All over Isn't the Larry wallpaper. But there you are. Those are some insights from Pinterest. So I can say chicken and egg, are we leading the trends or the trend leading us? Who knows? You know what that tells you though? That's why you should never slavishly follow a trend because you don't know if you're starting it and perpetuating it or if you're being led in a direction you don't want to go in. So next topic, Kate. One of my favourites, colourful kitchens. Let's discuss. I think it's a thing. It is a thing. It's <laughs> there we a go. Thing. End of show. It's a thing, everybody. Get into it. Uh, no, it, it it is a thing um, because we've started to notice them at the Clark and Well Design Week. I think Pluck Kitchens had a lilac kitchen, yeah, and we were talking yeah, about yeah. lilac. Lilac kitchen with yellow interior. And Delish. Rita Koenig, a daughter of Nina Campbell, who's a columnist and interior designer, she's just done. I think it's her third collection with plain English kitchens paint collection. 
One of the colours, interestingly, is called nicotine. And it's yellow. And it, yeah. <laughs> but it's a really, I mean, I'm not, on, I'm like not often a huge yellow fan, but I do quite like that colour. But I put some of this stuff on the blog earlier in the week just to see what people's reaction to colourful kitchens were because I've been writing this story for years and I remember writing it for The Independent years and years ago and talking to a kitchen manufacturer and saying, oh, so you can do raspberry pink, you can do pistachio green, you know, what's everybody buying? And he just went white. Yeah. So... You know, it's taken a long time. We have got used to colour. And I think we're now, you know, used to colour on our walls, maybe on our sofas. Oh, we're definitely, I think, generally more confident, aren't we? a bit frightened of putting it on the kitchen cupboards. So I thought it was interesting to look at Rita's collection. And she talks about you need four colours in a kitchen. Oh, oh we've she got a rule. Said, okay. We've got a rule. You need four different colours in a so kitchen. Okay. she would say three or four. One for the cupboards, one for the island, for those that have them. And then she always says, paint your stools another colour and maybe the back of the cupboard (laughs) or the walls for those that have them. So she's got a kitchen which has this nicotine yellow cupboard, an island in burnt toast. Which is what, like a brown colour? It's blacky brown? Yeah, it's a beautiful colour actually. And then other colours, I think she's got medlar jelly and Mm. candied peel, which are lovely oranges. And she's got a very nice pink. So I immediately said to the mad husband, what about painting our kitchen chairs pink? (gasps) Oh! I got the marital veto. I bet you did. That goes goes up there with gold grout, Kate Watson smile. I've got another plan, but I can't reveal it at this stage because he's in the house (laughs) as we're recording this. And I need to kind of work up to it. Yeah, yeah, you do, don't you? So, you know, we'll come to that. I'll let you know if I'm successful. (laughs) But so that that would be her idea for a colourful kitchen. And so I put some of these colours on the blog and said to people, you know, would you do it? And actually I got a surprisingly positive response from people who are not wanting their kitchens to look like kitchens or they've got open plan spaces so Mm -hmm. they're bringing in more colour that way and actually I didn't get a single comment saying oh I just want a white one I got this from Fiona Jarman I've been colour brainwashed by Sophie Robinson (laughs) so we've gone for it in the kitchen teal units at one end wrap around pink walls and some torp as well to break it all up. Still can't believe my husband agreed to it. I, can, I actually know Fiona. I can't believe her husband oh, agreed to it. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Oh, so I'm looking forward to catching up on that. with a kind yes, of neutral colour. That sounds heaven to me. Well, I think that's basically what Fiona's doing is she is approaching her kitchen design as you would any other room in your house. And that's the key point. And I think the, the problem is, is people see the price ticket of a kitchen. It's a big investment in proportion to what you're spending overall and people want to play it safe yeah. they get the willies they get the heebie-jeebies and think oh we'll just do it white or god forbid grey and then we don't have to change it for 25 years my argument is if you're going to invest a lot of money in a room and you're going to spend a lot of time in there because for many people the yeah. kitchen's the heart of the home why wouldn't you want it to be the most fabulous expression of the colours you love and you know to be fair Kate I know I love winding you up but for you it's chocolate brown and a bit of a always thinking about the food me I might go burn toast actually <laughs> Bit of a salmon mousse pink. Yeah. Well, it is not salmon. Well, plaster. I think it's a plaster pink. But for people who are nervous of that and, you know, painting kitchen units isn't for everyone, I would say paint the walls or paint the back of the shelves or something because that's easier to change and less scary. Yeah. So you can bring in colour that way. 
tiles can be a smaller area, although that's harder work to replace. I'm kind of having a love affair with like Formica worktops and door fronts as well at the moment. Formica comes in so many awesome yeah. colours and they've really added some more modern colours to their range. And you can have plywood doors covered in it, you can have worktops, splashbacks covered in it. You can have loads of fun. The other thing that's really good, if you're a bit nervous about the colour, is you can paint the inside of the cupboard, which is a bit of a faff, but you just get a flash of whatever that colour is like that inside. So it's quite a nice little treat, mm. but it's also less frightening if you want to appear to be more sensible. Actually, and then you open your drawers. Neon pink, literally. I'm thinking. Oh, what, there's yeah. a thing. Neon pink inside your, you know, ordinary white high street kitchen. That could be awesome. Right, for this week's design crime, we are handing over to our producer, Kate, who I believe was away this weekend and spotted oh, a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm just going to duck onto Sophie's mic here. So we went away with some friends to the seaside this weekend, which was lovely. Oh, alarm bells are ringing it already. Was, well, yes. <laughs> Uh, there's been some amazing chat on the Facebook group. Was there about a net full seaside. of plastic lobsters? <laughs> <laughs> about seaside and how terrifying it can be. But um, it was brilliant because it was very sunny and it was a very high-end little cottage that we that we stayed in Airbnb. It was lovely, absolutely gorgeous. Obviously, a lot of kind of design thought had gone into it. So, you know, it was quite interesting as we were exploring when we first arrived. I'm a bit scared of that um, phrase, design thought. Well, <laughs> been on the train for a long time, popped the loo. Um, as soon as we got to the house and opened the door and there above the loo, the actual toilet, is a tiny little kind of handwritten wooden sign hanging above oh, the loo. This is this going to be a word? word? Loo. Okay. <laughs> just just <laughs> literally, so it was a sort of... Well, in case you didn't know where you were. Pretty old-fashioned <laughs> little cistern thing and in the tongue and groove, kind of beautifully sort of, I don't know, celadon-painted tongue and groove behind the cistern, uh, yes, this tiny little sign saying, Lou. Lou. In <laughs> case you weren't sure what the thing that you were... About to about use. To use was. Maybe, maybe they had aliens visiting from another planet the week before. <laughs> I can just about get putting a sign on the door. Yes. I mean, that in itself, I think, is I wouldn't do it, but I can sort of see why you might. Because you're in a strange a house and you don't know where the toilet is. Yeah, you don't want okay. to open the wrong door. Yeah, but then okay. do you have loo, cupboard, kitchen, <laughs> flush? Taps. Anyway, it was A, Bin. typography. Always <gasps> a converging of two design crimes. And B, it's a completely unnecessary and weird thing to do. So obviously I thought of you both. Oh, I hope you had a good chuckle when you thought of us. Did you take a picture? I did. Oh! Can we put it on the Facebook group? Oh, we'll put it on the Facebook group. Brilliant. I would have been so tempted to leave some graffiti. <laughs> some bits of high-end place so you can't. You right there. <laughs> so time for a little summary. First up, we talked about the London Design Festival. And the big headline here is there's just a huge explosion within the design community to really take on sustainable and environmentally positive thinking with our designs. Then we talked about the colour trends and basically, as long as it's green, anything goes. And finally, we had a conversation about colourful kitchens. And we just feel like if it's a colour you love, you should just go for it, even if you end up hiding it inside of a cupboard. 
As always, everything we've talked about will be on the blogs. I'm madaboutthehouse.com and she's sophierobinson.co.uk. And do please rate and review us on your podcast app. Special shout out this week to uh, Nula, who left a lovely review on Apple Podcasts saying that she has guzzled. Oh, I love that. I know, isn't that really guzzled up every episode? I'm thinking Nula will have particularly enjoyed this week because in her review she says... Sophie's passion for colour is inspiring me to think outside of my grige box as I plan the design of our new home. Absolute music to my ears, Nula. Thank you. And thank you also to John Lewis for sponsoring this episode, to our producer, Kate Taylor, and last but absolutely not least, to you, our wonderful listeners. And we'll see you in the great indoors. She's surprisingly colourful in my kitchen, which mm. is chocolate brown with... Oh, is that a colour? I beg your pardon? <laughs> That's not a colour? Chocolate brown? That's not a colour? <laughs> it's a very nice colour. It's like swathing myself in chocolate all the time. I've got a pink door. That's the most colourful room in the entire house. Are you having a go? We just need to define what colour is, I think, between us, don't we, really? Is that what it is? Right.